tortoise. Hello, I'm Claudia and this is a Sensemaker from Tortoise. One story every day to make sense of the world. Today, Israel has declared war against Hamas after the Palestinian armed group launched a violent surprise attack on the country. Why did Hamas do it? And what happens next? That's after a short break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was a festival of peace, which turned into a nightmare. At 6.30am on Saturday, Hamas, the Palestinian military group that controls Gaza, launched a surprise attack on Israel. It fired thousands of rockets into Israel and breached checkpoints all along Israel's border with Gaza, the Palestinian territory that has been under an Israeli blockade since 2007. Less than an hour later, Hamas fighters arrived in pickup trucks at an all-night music festival in southern Israel. Many festival-goers were executed on the spot. All the way people were dying, all the way on the road. Young people. It's a festival for young people. Many, many people were dying in the road. Whoever tried to run away, they were shooting him from both sides. In one now-viral video, a 25-year-old Israeli student called Noah is heard screaming, don't kill me, as she's driven away on a motorbike. More than 250 bodies have been found at the site. In all, at least 700 Israelis have been killed in the violence. More than 100 more are thought to have been taken into Gaza as hostages. Saturday marked the deadliest day in Israel since 1973, when Egypt and Syria attacked at the start of the Yom Kippur War. Hamas's assault represents a staggering security failure for Israel, which is supposed to have one of the most sophisticated intelligence networks and strongest militaries in the world. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu quickly promised retaliation. Citizens of Israel, he said. We are at war. Not an operation. Not rounds. But at war. And his reaction has been swift. Israel has pummeled Gaza, where, at time of recording, more than 500 people are reported to have died. And although the Israeli Prime Minister said he would target Hamas fighters, innocent people have already fallen victim. Among them, 19 members of one Palestinian family who were reportedly killed by an Israeli airstrike on a refugee camp in Gaza. So why did Hamas launch its attack? Hamas has claimed that it's taking revenge for Israel's ongoing treatment of Palestinians. 
Al-Aqsa, a holy mosque in occupied East Jerusalem, has been subject to repeated Israeli police raids in 2023. And in the West Bank, Israeli settlers have violently attacked Palestinians at least 700 times this year, according to the UN's humanitarian agency. Benjamin Netanyahu's government plans to build 5,000 new settlements on Palestinian territory, which is illegal under international law. Meanwhile, Gaza has continued to suffer under a strict blockade imposed by Israel and Egypt. Human Rights Watch describes the territory as the world's largest open-air prison. But Hamas's timing is perhaps better explained by geopolitical events. In recent weeks, Saudi Arabia has drawn closer to a historic accord with Israel. That's judging by comments from Saudi leader Mohammed bin Salman. For us, the Palestinian issue is very important. We need to solve that part. And we have a good negotiation. It's continue. Till now, we're going to see where it will go. And from Benjamin Netanyahu, who met with US President Joe Biden last month. I think that uh, under your leadership, Mr. President, we can forge a historic peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Hamas, which has run Gaza since 2007, is afraid that closer relations between Saudi and Israel would encourage Arab neighbours to abandon the Palestinian cause. It would certainly isolate Iran, a sworn enemy of Israel, which financially supports Hamas and supported the attack. According to some reports, Iran even had a direct hand in it. Iran has denied this, and the US government says it hasn't seen any evidence to support it, but European officials and sources within Hamas insist it's the case. With Israel distracted by the task of policing settlements and fending off armed Palestinian attacks in the West Bank, Hamas took an opportunity to blindside Israel on the Gaza border. And now, with Benjamin Netanyahu promising to turn parts of Gaza into rubble, any deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia looks significantly more difficult. So what's next for Israel? We'll have more after the break. Hello, I'm Jeevan Varsaga. I'm climate editor at Tortoise and host of a new podcast called Counter Crisis from the Centre for Disaster Protection, a UK government-funded international organisation which works to change how the world plans and pays for disasters. If you've followed the news, you'll know that more people than ever are in need of humanitarian assistance. War and climate change are affecting millions, but the solutions haven't really kept pace. Finance is key. We saw during the pandemic that the countries that found it easiest to borrow money were the most able to respond, and not the countries that were the most affected. Across three episodes covering disasters, the losses caused by climate change, and our response to disease outbreaks, I'm going to try and make sense of this. Why are the current ways we respond to crises inadequate? And how can we do better? I'll be speaking to experts to rethink the recovery from crisis and find out why prearranged finance can help get aid where it's needed. You can listen now. Search for Counter Crisis wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the feed to make sure you don't miss an episode. Israel's defence minister has ordered what he called a complete siege of Gaza. No electricity, no food, no fuel, he said. Israel has the power to do this, given it controls the airspace and the flow of goods in and out of the Palestinian territory. 
Signs point towards Israel launching a ground invasion of Gaza, its first since 2014. Israeli tanks and soldiers are already massing near the border. It would be a dangerous move, not just because it puts dozens of Israeli hostages held in Gaza at risk. Hamas claims that Israeli strikes have already killed four of them. There would also be the threat of escalation. An invasion of Gaza may well bring in other regional actors. And if it does turn out that Iran was directly involved in the Hamas attack, Israel would be under pressure to respond against Iran with force. Until there is an agreed solution for who should occupy what land between the River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea, the Israel-Palestine conflict will be no closer to an end. Right now, it's at its most dangerous moment for years. And it's likely that innocent Israeli and Palestinian people will be left paying the price. Thank you for listening to The Sensemaker. All week on the podcast, we'll be trying to make sense of what's happening in the Middle East. You can listen to the latest episode of The News Meeting, where we discuss the Israel-Hamas conflict in greater depth wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was written by Xavier Greenwood and mixed by Amy Harper. Tortoise. Hello, I'm Jeevan Varsaga. I'm climate editor at Tortoise and host of a new podcast called Counter Crisis from the Centre for Disaster Protection a UK government-funded international organisation which works to change how the world plans and pays for disasters. If you follow the news, you'll know that more people than ever are in need of humanitarian assistance. War and climate change are affecting millions, but the solutions haven't really kept pace. Finance is key. We saw during the pandemic that the countries that found it easiest to borrow money were the most able to respond, and not the countries that were the most affected. Across three episodes, covering disasters, the losses caused by climate change, and our response to disease outbreaks, I'm going to try and make sense of this. Why are the current ways we respond to crises inadequate? And how can we do better? I'll be speaking to experts to rethink the recovery from crisis and find out why pre-arranged finance can help get aid where it's needed. You can listen now. Search for Counter Crisis wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the feed to make sure you don't miss an episode. Listener.